1: parents out to lunch. No, this is parenting with the punch. Oh, this ain't parents out to lunch. No, this is parenting with the punch. Class is in session, please be seated. Behaviors that get attention get repeated. Avoid the power struggle, cause it will get you heated. Listen to Amanda, cause she knows how to teach it. Yo, this ain't parents out to lunch. No. Parenting with the punch. Oh, this ain't parents out to lunch. No, this is parenting with the punch. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: oh. oh, 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 oh. oh.
2: welcome my special guest, Amanda Friedman, executive director and founder of Atlas Foundation for Autism. So let's give Amanda a warm welcome and join us. Hi, Amanda. Hey, Amanda. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's so good to have you here. Happy Monday.
3: Absolutely. Always a manic Monday.
2: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Well, especially in our industry, right? Working with kids and (laughs)
3: moon oh. <laughs> And a Monday always goes a long way.
2: Oh, yes, my friend. Yes. So, so tell us, tell us about, uh, Atlas Foundation for Autism.
3: Well, um, we are so excited to be a community based organization, uh, connecting with, uh, people like yourself kind of outreaching, um, Finding a way to let everybody know um, we all have a, a say, a voice, and a, um, a responsibility in helping this amazing community of uh, special needs and parents in need. Uh, so, Atlas Foundation for Autism is a nonprofit organization. We run a school for kids seven to 21. With autism and other uh, differences, um, we have after-school programs. We run free programs every other Saturday from ten to twelve to bring our community together to get parents connecting with each other in a sensory autism-friendly land, inclusive. Anybody can come it's really exciting. And then we try and get, you know, workshops and other supports to make sure we're we're letting people find the resources they're entitled to, uh, because nobody can really do it on their own. And so we like the idea of helping people find their direction and find their voice.
2: Absolutely. That's awesome. So, and what are the ages that you guys serve?
3: So our school is from seven to 21, but our other programs go as young as four, and we're really reaching uh, far out into the adult community now as well. We do some internships, volunteer opportunities. We're offering uh, supportive classes and individual therapy and helping uh, individuals on the spectrum and with other uh, anxieties and needs and challenges uh, to build their relationships both within their their family, romantic possibilities um the workforce sibling rivalries um all sorts of different dynamics really
2: yeah no absolutely now and you guys have um all the related services as well correct so speed
3: everything except for physical therapy okay okay but we do have uh, afternoon availability. Uh, we work with our families to seek out the the best reimbursement options possible. We try to help act as a liaison for families going through uh, the, um, the front door, dealing with the op- Office of People with Developmental Disabilities, health insurance, uh, Board of Ed um, supports, busing, um, even just like finding things, uh, we have people who contact us from outside the country just looking for support. How do I handle this? Uh, I wanna start a school. Can I come uh you know, see what you're doing and bring it back? Uh how do we bottle the magic, you know? Um and what we always tell people is to find their own uh balance really and that Kind of like uh, the Wizard of Oz. Click your heels three times and remember there's place no- <laughs> like home, you know?
2: Yes. Is that not the truth? So just for anyone that's watching that might not necessarily know, so you offered the speech therapy, uh, occupational therapy. You have your amazing sensory gym.
3: Thank you. Yes. It's, uh, you know, our swings, our, our, uh, rope climb, uh, handle as cute and sweet as a two, three-year-old and up to adult weight. So, I mean, our staff, our team, our adults with, 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 uh, some vestibular needs as well can all get on a seesaw, get on a swing and, and really feel good and, um and find their their balance and we also work a lot with um within the context of our school model we're a very multi strategic approach and so we're inclusive of people's outside therapists. So for example if a family was working with you know Miss mandahool and trying to find consistency of the home programs that they're working on and behavioral needs that they have, or just trying to work on their own communication in house, we would be consulting with you and saying, okay, this is what we're seeing at the home, in school. Um, these are the challenges that are coming up, and how can we help carry over what's going on? So we're all using the same language, uh, maybe following a sensory diet together with the kids. Um, for anyone who's not sure out there about a sensory diet, really... Um, you have to take care of the body before you can kind of take care of the mind. And if you feel like you're spinning out and overwhelmed, people are going to have a really hard time, um, concentrating and processing information. Mm -hmm. So we always say you got to find the center and then explore from there. Right. Yeah. I,
2: I I love that you brought that up because I've actually, I've had quite a few families recently. that have some sensory struggles. And as we know, too, sensory processing isn't really something that is like a an official diagnosis, or at least where I am in the Boston area, New York, totally different story. Right, right. <laughs> um, but the sensory diet, like, you know, in terms of families that are interested in learning about the sensory diet, I, the sensory diet, right, in essence is with food or um, like exercise, um, just sort of like in, in incorporating all of it right into, it, into like a daily routine.
3: You know, I think that that's a really good kind of baseline for for it. But really, like a, a an occupational therapist or um, somebody really looking at whether or not a child is. Regulated and there's emotional regulation mm-hmm. and there's sensory regulation. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, what we're looking at when we talk about sensory regulation is is the environment friendly to their profile. If you have a student who's very sensitive to loud noises, you're gonna be looking at what other students are in the room. Are you putting them next to a window that five fire trucks go past every other hour? Right. Um, if you have a child who's overwhelmed by um, Uh, unpredictable movements. You're not necessarily going to want to put them um, in the gym at the same time as some of the kids who really need to move fast and uh, really need a lot of input or get excited by playing chase games when that child might be more withdrawn. So what you do with a sensory diet is you're looking at how much physical contact do they need? Do they need deep proprioceptive input? Mm-hmm. Do they need to jump and run? Um, and then how often? So you track that data. And we work with the school psychologist I know you do a lot of data work and understanding behavior and upticks and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if we have a child who's starting to have behaviors or fade their attention every 15, 20, 30 minutes, There seems to be an issue. They bolt out of the classroom or they try to get to the gym where they knock down a desk because they're looking for for something to pick back up. do is get them before they have a maladaptive choice and say, hey, why don't we go and go and take a walk through the hallway every half hour and do a couple of bounces or take a wheelie chair, spin around a few times and get give them that physical input they need to be successful before Mm -hmm. they go down a slippery slope of trying to seek it out themselves. Right.
2: Yep. No, it's so true. And I think and as we know too like it, it, everything's behavior right so Absolutely. knowing what the triggers are and being able to understand that and like recognize that before you get to that point of complete escalation yeah. is so vital for our kid like for the kiddos it's it's like It's so
3: important. I mean, I I think that, you know, half the supposedly neurotypical adults that we deal with could probably benefit from figuring out their own sensory profile, you know. Right. (laughs) You kind of come across a lot of parents who, you know, understandably, understandably want the least amount of negative attention coming to their kids. And they might look at their child stimming. Um, As something that makes them uncomfortable. But what they may not understand and know is that that stimming behavior, which is like a repetitive thing, some might flap their hands, some kids might kind of have a little tick or a vocal tick, Um, you know, maybe jumping up and down blowing on their hands, all sorts of different stims out there in Facebook land. I wonder what your kids stims are. I'd love to hear that actually. Um, You know, and we can figure out how we could shape that and make it a little bit more functional. Um, And so it's an expression and a communication because like you said, everything is a behavior. Everything also is a communication. And if there's a lot of communication, then you're one, you have to wonder why. And so with that stimming, it's okay. Are you excited right now? Are you nervous about something right now? Have you maybe lost your place and aren't sure of what you're supposed to be doing? So you look Mm -hmm. for what's familiar. You look for what's safe. And stimming does that. I take my cute little piggy pen and I flick it before me. I don't have to take in the whole world around me because I'm looking at one thing. That's Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Our kids happen to have uh, a better um, sense of taking care of themselves than so many of us adults kind of go to therapy and and look for people to tell us how to do it. That's one thing they've got on us for sure.
2: Right. Oh, and and as we know, too, that there's not enough, like the mental health world in general, there is still such a stigma that that it's almost like, God forbid, if you go to therapy that you're like messed up or, you know, or get like seeking out that support is like a, a bad thing.
3: Well, and you know, it's it's like what we were talking about with a sensory diet, where let's say you say, You know, um, every 20 or 30 minutes, a kid needs five minutes in the gym. Maybe they wear a weighted vest. And and we talk about in the context of emotional regulation, we go to therapy once a week, every other week. However, often people kind of use these tools. But why do people hold on to crystals, stop and meditate? Take a nice deep breath and recenter. center right. all of these different things that we try and say, you know, in a moment, excuse me, but give me a minute. I'm feeling a little upset. Or before I get so excited, let me make sure I understand what you're saying so I don't get disappointed after. So we're just really looking at the parameters of right. all of the different outcomes mm-hmm. and in a way that's manageable right. so that... In an unpredictable world, we can find something that does feel familiar. It's it's one of the reasons that a lot of, of, of therapy offices, doctor offices, um, autism programs, you'll find that they don't tend to want to make a lot of change to the environment because they want the familiarity for their clientele. And I think that's a beautiful thing, except there has to be some point where we do introduce Those challenges. And one of the things I admire about how you work, Amanda, is that you don't avoid the challenge because you know if we don't see the behavior and if we walk around and we avoid the behavior, we're never actually going into the depth and the core of what needs to be supported to figure out long term how mm-hmm. to help someone have the greatest capacity for happiness and success in their lives. Yes. And, and I think that that's just so crucial to pay attention to all of these different angles. And it's a lifelong pursuit for sure. I,
2: no, I totally agree. I can't. I mean, I don't. So like as far as the environment piece, I of course, so and I miss New York immensely. I, I you hear it. the
3: horns in the background. Talk about an auditory process <laughs> <of challenge. laughs>
2: No, I don't hear the background, and and I don't <laughs> think I mentioned that. Um, that uh, Alice for uh, Alice Foundation for Autism is in New York for anybody that's watching the replay or catching Absolutely,
3: catching yeah. the podcast. Two five two West 29th Street. We're right by Penn Station. Yes. Um, Awesome location. And 7,300 square feet of fun. Yes, absolutely.
2: And I'm actually proud to say that uh, I have worked with Amanda um, at two of her um, businesses, actually. Her business prior to Atlas Foundation. And um, it's, I mean, your approach in terms of just working with children, of course, which is, you know, how I got drawn and, and could even work in a space like that is because we share the same mentality and like approaches to working with children. And right. and we don't look at each child as like one particular methodology
3: like or label or yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: every child is, is totally different. So yeah, but back to the whole environment thing. So because I'm in, in the Boston area, right, that I don't have the, the luxury of working with children in the school so it has to be in the home and as we know the home environment is um I mean that's where you see a lot of the behaviors that's where a lot of them begin you know prior to the or even behaviors that the children are emitting in school or even out in the community so I definitely think having that piece is definitely crucial Um, Well, and I think, Amanda,
3: you know, with with the work that you do, and I love that the fact that your organization isn't just about the parenting piece, but the couples piece and the relationships piece, because the the strain that can happen when all of a sudden maybe the kids doing great in school, maybe they're they're ABA therapist or they're. Uh, PT that comes twice a week or whatever is not seeing all of these challenges. And then the parents are so exasperated because they're wondering all of a sudden, why is my kid breaking down as soon as they get home? And what they don't realize is, is, is it's often not that they're necessarily creating or perpetrating the habit and that that can happen. And that is a challenge. But I think that a lot of times um, the unconditional love of that parent and mm-hmm. the um, the relief and the lack of judgment that a child is going to feel once they get home mm-hmm. and they've been coping with demands and they've been coping with erratic and, and unpredictable sources of sound and expectation and mm-hmm. language and maybe you know they they just can't wait for their moms like banana bread when they get home you know (laughs) um or just that big hug that they aren't going to necessarily get because it may not be appropriate for them when they're out and about with you know with new uh peers or with staff Mm -hmm. but that affection that we all want so much is something when they get home they want full full force and sometimes you know mom and dad are getting dinner ready finishing up the books uh, got you know uh, cutting the lawn whatever the the, the right. thing is that needs to kind of happen right um, because life is calling and yet this child is just looking and ready to completely um you know unwind and yeah. collapse because yeah. look what a great job I've been doing I left you at six thirty-seven this morning and it's 4 five o'clock and and now should be the you yeah, know, time. and the relaxed fuss, And, you know, yeah. kids are narcissists on the best of days. <laughs> and so once they get home, they're not thinking about the fact that mom and dad actually have work, other family things, holidays fair to plan, uh, you know, something got canceled, other siblings, and they maybe, you yep. know, parent teacher yep. conference for their younger, or older brother or sister. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my my little brother ate my homework, not even the dog, you know, things, <laughs> things happen. Right. Right? And I think that um, it's really important to add that extra cushioning and support and structure sometimes to home, even though it's counterintuitive. You know, I've had so many parents say to me, but I don't want to be the teacher. I want to be mom. I want to just be dad. I don't want to have to be firm. I didn't like it when my parents were that way with me. And I think it really depends on what issues are at hand right now behaviorally or what is going on that's like the real priority you know and that's how you can gauge whether or not you can let things slack a little at home and call amanda Hool and ask like how do i make sure i'm not compromising my kids growth um at the same time uh hi hi there uh janine thanks so much for tuning in great to see you there yeah,
2: no, and I
3: think the, the big piece, too, is
2: when we hear firm, I think parents, like, automatically assume that that means, like, mean or rude or, um like, not non-loving. Right. And essentially, like, you can be firm and loving. I mean, my, my approach, your approach, like, is firm and loving. Like, we have those boundaries, like, you can still is st- not the enemy <laughs> yeah, yeah, right right you can set those limits you know and know and have those expectations but still be loving at the same time you, you can be firm for like two seconds and you can go right back to being loving again <laughs> exactly exactly and, I and I think the truth
3: hot. is I think that People don't realize that the world can be a very intimidating place and, you know, sure. children, teenagers, a, a neurotypical teenager's mind is sure. still really in need of a lot of growth and research stands to prove that. And I think that when children are, are acting out so often, they're doing that because they actually want their parents, their caregivers, their loved ones to say, I could handle your tantrum. And because I can handle your tantrum, I want you to know that when the big bad world hits, when God forbid somebody comes and attacks your school, attacks you on the street, or somebody tries to take something that's yours, you can look to adults, you can look to your parents, your teachers, your your local police, your firefighters, and right. you can know that an adult will be able to handle that situation. And so it may not seem like a big deal to say, no, you're not gonna have dessert before dinner tonight, but right. that one little thing where you have a rule and you follow through on that can be so significant mm. to that child understanding what they need to do in order to be safe and well.
2: Right. And, and I mean, you're setting those, those rules and those boundaries for their own good. And they actually, they need you to, to, to set those boundaries. They need you to set those expectations because that's what essentially makes them feel safe. When we, when we say safe, right. It's, it's, it's also the, um, just like feeling comfortable in their own skin right like not necessarily so it's just it it's it's so oh, safe it. and so emb- yes like it embodies everything about that word like when that when when it's clear when it's set right. and like specific they, ch- you just see it children thrive like when you make those changes i mean you see it in the school environment i've seen it like i see it in the home it's just it's beautiful to see when you when those pieces come together
3: but it just- takes a lot of work It takes a lot of work. And the other thing is, too, and this is one of the things, you know, nothing in life is ever mastered completely until, you know, you know all the circumstances in which it might apply. And I'll tell you, if anybody's figured that out or has written that book, I'll go buy it myself. Um, Because I think (laughs) that that our children in our community, too, are so... um, Evolving, and some things evolve just by by virtue of nature, or puberty, right. um, understanding. Um, sometimes things start to kind of click because all of a sudden they're um, inspired by it. Some uh, appear. They're uh, mm-hmm. feeling more, like you said, more secure within themselves, and so um, you have to reevaluate the priority goals as well, because a lot of people say, oh, well, we fixed this. I'm done with therapy. I'm done. My kids, my kids cured from this situation because we've had three weeks of no major tantrums and just a little bit of, um, you know, some mini challenges. But compared to what it was, that's so great. But you know what? We're actually letting our kids down if we don't constantly raise that bar. Go to the next mountain, climb another thing, start again, and have expectations that grow with our kids because it's not good enough that they're not at the bottom 10 or 20% of their grade level now at this point. Every day we have to accept that we don't know them in this new moment. And we do have to look at ourselves too. There's a subjectivity to it. Mm-hmm. And you could have a thousand data charts to sit there and say, what was the trigger? But right. you know what, if you look at your own mood and you might be, not you personally, because I know you keep very balanced, right? <laughs> and, and you got this down. But I think that within my myself, within my team, within parents, one of the reasons that we need to consult with somebody like you is because we may not realize, you know what, have you slept recently? When's the last time you went out to dinner with somebody? Or what's the last time you read a book that wasn't just about, you know, your child's disorder or challenging? And they don't realize they're cranky. And so maybe they're over giving out the strikes and they forgot to give out the positives and the reinforcers. Right. I think really having uh, the objectivity to look at yourself without judging yourself and know that there's going to be a certain amount of subjectivity to all of our moods and you bring in humanity and you say to the the child or the adult you're working with, I'm doing my best with what I have right now Mm -hmm. and I'm sorry if you don't like my answer. It's still this because you still have to maintain that sense of authority and comfort, but there's room to reevaluate at another.
2: Right. And that, and that's the, that, that, that's the piece too. Like in that moment, yes, you're, you, you can, you can reevaluate literally like five minutes later, depending on obviously the situation, like it does, the negative reinforcement. I think parents hold on to, um,
3: Which, by it, the way, hello to everybody else joining in. It's nice <laughs> to see you there, guys. I, hi, Erika. Hi, Laurieann. Hey, Darnell, Janine. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you, Amanda. I cannot see that because I don't have my cell phone on. So thank you for the shout outs. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, it's just the, that whole piece of it, I think, you know, you touched upon obviously giving the positive reinforcement that, you know, you forget in that moment, you're upset, you're aggravated. So you're constantly like harping on what went wrong and you can't think about literally what went right. And you can change that within like two seconds like a child can do something wrong they can have a tantrum a five-minute tantrum and then literally two minutes later after the five-minute tantrum they can be in a better mood and you can recognize okay I love how you were able to come out of that like I love how you're calm now you know just just basic um
3: and to give room that you know and, and to give room for the fact that you know tantrums and exhaustion still have impact on a parent right you know what you don't have to be ready just because your kid's ready you don't then go ahead and say okay well i'm glad you're over being upset because you know what now you as a parent have stepped on all the broken legos you have a headache yourself (laughs) you're 20 minutes late for something and you're going to be the one dealing with all of that so you You could still say to your child, I'm so glad you've done better. This didn't last longer. You didn't let it get worse than it was. However, mommy or daddy or teacher, whoever, still just needs a a minute to to feel upset. Or maybe they come in for a hug right away. And you Mm -hmm. could say, Noah, I love you so much, but I'm just not ready to come close to you because you just hit me. Or I'm just not ready because I don't know what you're going to do or if you're going to change your mood again.
2: Right. And being able to, yes.
3: A subtle amount of accountability. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to have our young ones be accountable. You know, in this day and age of everybody gets a trophy, you know, kids go yeah. sign up for Little League or whatever. <laughs> and and our, our, our loved ones don't know, and our students don't know how to deal with failure and you know Richard Branson says all the time um, failure is where all the learning is. And so if we don't highlight how things could be better the next time, what else the expectations are, make it safe to review and right. say, wow, I'm so proud of you for being able to look at what we could have done better this time. Right. Yeah. And and to talk about our own wishes and how we could have done things differently also. It's right. very empowering because if all we ever do is demand it of them, Right, of course, it's like <laughs> there's a real hypocrisy
2: there, right, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, no, absolutely. and you know being a like the, being able to model this, you're preparing them for adulthood, you're preparing them for the real world because I think you and I can both attest to failure, okay, like going through failure is where you see the success, like we've been through you know our own life struggles, we've been through our own experiences, so like to be able to to you know be able to step back from that and be able to actually like have success and and see the things that maybe you know that we reacted from or the things that we did wrong or didn't do wrong like we're modeling all of that all of those life experiences as adults right. we are modeling for for our children and they yeah. need to see that because we're preparing them for the real world because this shit happens right things like this happen in the real world Th- things happen
3: right <laughs> And it's it is one of those things where you know um, you get you 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 end up as much as you want to try and think you're going to know all the things that are going to happen and to plan for as a parent, you know uh, what what to know what what do you expect uh, you know while you're expecting right the best laid plans and everything in life um, are never really met and so how do we react in a way that's human and. Right. Ap- a, a poly, is, is sensitive and yet mm-hmm. at the same time really helping us progress. And I see now here too, uh, we have a, a, a comment here. Um, yeah. I have the girls write in their feelings book or diary when they get mad or upset and then we talk about what happened and what we could do to not have those outbreaks. I mean, and that's just amazing. And there's actually a, a, a term for that. There's something called like a social autopsy. Um, I know Richard Lavoie actually out of uh, Massachusetts as well as well had come up with something like that, where once you have that, Actual tantrum kind of subsiding and the mm-hmm. anger starts to subside. Oh, well, you know, right. you know, if you give the notebook and the pen at the wrong time, someone's probably They're gonna this. get like swatted upside the head. Agree, right. <laughs> but when when it's safe and, and you don't have to duck and cover, right? Then yep. you you do want to get those expressions out. And you want people to learn how to negotiate, to, to mediate, um, and to know that emotional language is just as important as the specifics of what happened. So, Janine, it sounds like you've just got a, an amazing hand on so much, and uh, you know, I'm glad to say that both personally and 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 here today on the live, it's uh, yeah. incredible, and it's not easy to to figure those things out, especially when you have multiple children. With right. two totally different profiles, maybe or two different personalities. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure Amanda, you must see that a lot in your practice too. Yeah, I mean, we
2: all know every child is is different. We they all have their own quirks. They're they own, they they each have their own way of handling their emotions. Um, you know, more expressive, less expressive. So, I think you know, being able to discern and be able to know like how each child handles those. certain, you know, situations or behaviors and Brooklyn's coming to say hello. (laughs) Um, It's just so important because I think we know too, you know, you can't teach or you can't, yeah, you can't teach every single child one certain approach. It just, it doesn't work. Like you can't just use one methodology or strategy.
3: So many people do and they, they want that security of saying i'm a dir floor time parent only i'm a aba parent only i um you know i'm gonna sunrise you know only and the truth is you know how we how do we spice our food it's it's usually not just one or two things right we usually add a dash of this a dash of that and sometimes you're in the mood for a little more and sometimes you're in the mood for something simple and I think that it's really important when we're looking at our students and their needs uh, to say you know, we have to look at everything that's out there because right. the world is changing and we have to pay attention to um, all the different tools that might help. And honestly, if I looked at how I was raised, my repertoire and my tool belt isn't one I would pass on. And so if I went with what was familiar to me, I wouldn't necessarily be able to to do a better job for these kids that we're dealing with than what I knew. And I think that keeping abreast of all of the different things, knowing your non-negotiables though, like yeah. for example, we happen to have like a non-negotiable about um, edible reinforcers for discrete trial. So yeah. like a discrete trial run is if you're asking someone to do something really quickly, multiple times, yeah. to th- them let's say <laughs> excuse me um a color yeah every time the child you have red and blue and green and you say oh show me red touch red right. every time they touch red um some philosophies would say great you give them an m&m every time they get it wrong you withhold yep. or they have to get it done five times right and right. then they get that reinforcer right. And i think that there's nothing wrong With That for certain people, but for us and the way we work, we want the engagement and the learning um, and the anticipation to actually be the reward. Now, mind you, we may say, uh, first, um, let's do all of these colors, and then gym, first this, then maybe we could go to the kitchen with a natural consequence, take a walk, and if you're hungry, you can communicate that. But it's not directly tied in to the work. Because then our students are very clever in finding ways to manipulate the situation. And to all you parents out there, if you wonder, is my kid smart? Is my kid doing okay? If your kid can talk you out like uh, of, of, of getting grounded or find a way to get that cupcake we were talking about earlier before dinner and they, you don't even they, realize how you just said yes, honestly, use that. Manipulation is a sign of intelligence and coyness. <laughs> they just don't know that it's important to take right. that same effort into maybe following the rules, cleaning up their room, right. doing right. something uh, yep. that's yep. a asked of them. Um, they don't know that that's going to bear a good result for them. But they do know if they go and they exhaust, you know, mom and dad and say, I want it now, I want it now, or go oh, knock yeah. everything else off the countertop. And while mom is cleaning up the mess, go and sneak a cupcake off of the, the table. Right. They figured out something that works for them. Right. So you want to pay attention to those things. Don't, it, it's annoying. You might get a little frustrated, <laughs> but you want to pay attention <laughs> that's funny <laughs> that. I, I was thinking yeah, I was <laughs> thank you for that um, <laughs> you know that that is something that they need to know and life is going to be a skill for them Yes. That 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 manipulation and and you can call it out and say, you know what, that's really clever that you just tried to do that. Why don't you help me clean up and maybe we'll bake some cupcakes together later? Because the truth is behavior comes out of a need for connection. Communication comes so much out of a need for being seen. And you know, we you were talking earlier our our very first organization that we started in two thousand nine was the emerge and see education. And it was because out of looking how we pick ourselves up and see the world, people can for them really look at us and and we can find ways to, to make things not feel like such an emergency and feel like there's a a solid ground. Mm -hmm. And now we're, you know, um, this beautiful nonprofit, this school of you know 17 full-time kids, all of these different approaches, um, and and constantly growing with our community to say, let's figure out how to take these evasion tactics or these um, sensory needs or these constant attempts at people to say, "I'm not bad." I'm just trying to get help and to make that help exciting and to make it something that feels worth the effort because kids who are acting out already have something hurting them usually. So what do we want to do? We want to heal, right? We want to support. And then we want them to fly, you know, They, they should, that's, that's the real goal of independence.
2: Absolutely. To, to to give them that confidence, that boost in self-esteem, to right. feel strong and empowered and be yeah. able to just take on the world and do whatever it is that they want to do. Because every single human being should feel that because we all are capable of it regardless right of-
3: and parents you guys really are the experts on your kids you you know you don't need a phd to be the one who knows your kids the most and you you want to be open to suggestions you want to go for help and you want to figure out um, what what options there are to give your kids the best of everything, mm-hmm. but just know it is really your attention, your love for them, and your knowledge base that's gonna be with them. So if you move schools, you're still their parent. If you um, get a new therapist in, or someone goes out on maternity leave, all of those recommendations are gonna be how you interpret them. Right. And that's another reason that it's good to have, you know, a parenting coach or a strategist who helps you hold on and, and in those in-between gaps, know, you know what, you don't have to do it perfectly every time. Right. You want to make sure that you don't waver too far away from a center base so that your, your kids can still understand what's being asked of them.
2: Oh no, 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 it's, it's so true. Uh, that is and as we know, parents just have—you know—it can be difficult to to have, to look at it objectively, right? To, Absolutely. To, to see that there's even a need for support, but I think what you, both, both, what we're both trying to say is just—you know—this is actually one thing that I think is really, really important. And I think a lot of women, especially, do not pay attention to their intuition, and a lot of the times. When you have an inkling and, you're, and you immediately go to reach out to somebody for support, it doesn't have to be me. It doesn't have to be me. It could be anybody. It could be even a friend or whatever is going on. Right. That is your the, within that second. That that was your intuition telling you that this is something that you need to do. Don't stray away from that because I hear uh, I hear too often that you know you go you reach out for the support and then. and and then you don't hear from them again. And it just breaks my heart because it's so hard to like, in that moment, recognize that you know what you're doing, right? Because there's, there's this huge guilt piece and, um, and being judged. And I mean, we are, we already know, especially when it comes to parenting, there's so many different like ways to parent, right? And people are constantly judging and it's hard to sort of, and there's so many books out there that you can read and it's hard to be able to like recognize in that moment or when you're, you know, pulling your hair out or needing that extra support. And again, it could be just a family friend or, or you know, your spouse, just-
3: But just... that permission piece, right? You might yes. be able to say that there, you know, there's a reason that parent support groups are some of the least attended when it comes to the autism population, right? Um, Nights out, child care, getting uh, someone you could trust, um, you know, so that going out doesn't cause 12 more problems. A lot of times, people are like, you know what? It's not worth it. I'm going to go out for one night, try and have a nice time, come home, and I'll I'll be up till two in the morning cleaning, you know, uh, underwear off the ceiling fan or whatever, you know, because things might have gotten out of hand. And so when you have a behavior plan, when you have a support, um, when you have some familiarity and who maybe is caring for you, what your kids, when you go out, um, right. lay down those rules, help people right. understand what your family does. Right. And not everybody has to like it. Not everybody even has to agree with it, but right. they do need to respect you as the parents mm-hmm. and then you as a learner yourself. Right. If you don't like what I'm doing, what do you recommend? Uh right. one of my one of my staff always uh cracks me up when we're when we're having um team discussions, um, there is no room for, you know, defeat. It's like, uh, you know, um, don't cry if you don't try, right? (laughs) I love it. uh, I do too. uh, We can can be exasperated by a lot of different situations, Yes. but at the end of the day, these kids uh, and young adults and adults still need someone to be uh, um, make clearing the path, right? Right. Hel- and, and our job is to make sure that we crumble at a later time when it doesn't affect them, and right. enough room to just be human and right. let them know that that scraped knee, falling off the bike twelve times, is 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 is, is actually more important than getting it right the first time. Thank you.
2: Yes. Yes, you had that. That's the only way. And and in fact, I just watched a um, a clip. Um, I think it was on Fox Kids, and a child psychiatrist was discussing that it's actually more. It's more important for the child to be able to get it wrong, or you know, with with the authoritative parenting, which they say you 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 basically end up with more kids that are going to be a little bit more unruly, but they have to be able to be unruly in order for them to like learn from their mistakes and know, okay, that like this, this is what I, you know, did wrong or, and then it helps them to be, to get better at just like being an individual.
3: And, you know, there's always a stop point before that there's, you know, front loop. We, you can give them a picture reminder. Oh, we're going to ride the bike, and you know you put the helmet—a picture of the helmet and a picture of a kid falling down—and say, "We don't want this, so we're going to wear this." You yeah. know, and, and then if they still don't, after that point a natural consequence is going to be the, the fall yeah. the scraped me, whatever right. that might be. But right. it's not like we want them to purposely fail. Of course, right. We always are striving for the greatest of success, but we yeah. don't want to be afraid of every angle of what life does and right. what that resilience is. And then at the same time, like we were talking about earlier, that success is, is going to be a great moment maybe a really nice pause and then you go right back to the next pursuit Yes. and you keep going
2: yes yep because it never it, it doesn't end at once you hit success whatever that looks like for, for anybody right. it doesn't stop there you constantly have to keep building I mean
3: look at Oprah she's not stopping and she's got a network hell no <laughs> <laughs> absolutely
2: not and that it just comes with like perseverance and and feeling um you know the confidence and feeling good about yourself it, it's the same thing for children where this is this is what we're doing for the kids like we're modeling all of these things we're teaching them how to like be more uh it, like just like get it in the real world <laughs> exactly
3: and speaking of you know i don't know you know who is still out there right now but if you guys have any direct questions for for either of us or things that you feel like would be really relevant please add them to the live comments we'll address them now or later if we can Um, and, and be really happy to, to find out, uh, what do you need in regards to, um, support with your child and communicating with their school or supports Mm -hmm. in the home? What would you need possible, uh, strategies for understanding how to deal with some difficult, uh, situations or, or even just things that you're excited about, but you, you know, you're not sure how to tackle them, you know, junior high to high school or, um, You know, once your kid starts learning how to be more independent, I had a a parent once worrying if my kid learns how to do a lock, then I'm worried that they might go out of the house and wander. And how do you promote that independence at the same time as making sure that they're safe in the world? So guys, please just don't be shy if you have anything you want us to address as well.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, with that, it's where we are constantly learning, like I'm constantly learning from clients that I work with, from the kids that I work with, they're teaching me what, you know, things that I could implement with, you know, with future families that I like, we're always learning. The, right. the 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 teachers are are learning
3: consistently as
2: well. It, it, Absolutely,
3: it I mean, and our parents really are are amazing. We have a very open door policy in the, in our yeah. school and all our programs. Right. Um. And when we get the information about a, a parent, you know, how did the kids sleep? What went on? What were yeah. their frustrations or or things that they were proud of? And all of a sudden, their kid hears us addressing things from home or vice versa. And they feel like, wow, look at this merging of my worlds, right? right? And parents come in and say, can I see how you're doing this work with my kid? Or can you yeah. take video? And, you know, it can feel a little daunting at first. Like, what, I just told you this was all great. But then you pause and you open yourself up to that experience and then you realize oh wow look you know did you notice everything that they're touching is green or oh um they keep going to the number two and then you realize they have a pattern they have something that they Love, or maybe the apartment number is a two, and it's green on their front door. And so <laughs> then we say, "Wow, let's not use just flashcards. Let's use all of the doors where they go, the favorite Dunkin' Donuts, the fav, the house, uh, yeah. their their cousin's house down the street that they go to." And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you have a new way to modify something that they need to learn in a way that connects to their life. And that's really what we we struggle to, not struggle, but we strive to do right, here, right. is yes, we are going to look at traditional academics. And yes, we are going to look at um, teaching and less restrictive environment and balancing out what uh, what society says needs to be done. Right. But then we're also going to be very realistic and say, right now, how close are we to that? And where do we need to start? Maybe that means everything for you know, the first half of a day is in the sensory gym because a child needs that much input. And yeah. instead of trying to get someone who can't even pick up a pen without it falling or throwing or being a, 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 a tool for something else, that yeah. right now, if this kid likes to go and spill your coffee and put it on the wall, okay, let's get a big canvas and some paint and teach them number one, two, three in that same way.
2: Right, yep, absolutely. You know? Yep.
3: There's, yeah, there's there's all sorts of creative ways to not yeah. make everything uh, a, t- a, a hardship t- or a negative. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. It, it, to be able to ha-
2: like, you know, turn it into a more functional. uh, I don't want to say behavior, but a more functional like activity like you just, right. you know, like, it, it helps them. To be able to, okay, now you're teaching them, okay, these are the things that are appropriate, I guess. Right.
3: Welcome, everybody, by the way. I see a couple more people just joined in. So, hey, guys, welcome to the Amanda Houle and Amanda of Atlas uh, and show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> We're covering everything yeah. in schools here today.
2: <laughs> yeah, if you're just jumping on, we are just asking, please, if you have any uh, direct questions that you want to ask, either myself or Amanda, uh, now is the time, so please do any parenting struggles or even just a celebration or, um, you know, you know, first, first and foremost, you know, I'm straightforward. I always want you to be open and Amanda's the same way. So if you have a question, please drop a line. (laughs) We strongly encourage that. (laughs) Um, while we give our viewers a few minutes to sort of, you know, think about if they want to jump, jump on with a question, what would you say, Or what would be your greatest uh, or number one tip for any parents out there um, that are having difficulty with their kiddos? Um, Like, what would you say would be your number one tip to sort of, like, get through the chaos, I guess, if you will?
3: I I think um, remembering that uh, nothing is is, is really that permanent Mm. Um, and that the the way something feels in a moment is not really going to be what it looks like objectively when you're a couple of days out of a situation right. and giving yourself permission and room, asking someone to step in when you really need it. Mm-hmm. Um, feelings can be really complicated. Yes. And while we need to hold each other up in our emotionality, mm-hmm. I think, objectivity is really really helpful before you make any major decisions uh just giving things a little extra time people feel that everything is very urgent and there's a lot of pressure out there um there's a lot of people unfortunately making a business out of um, supporting families and 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 not that you know it's wrong to be able to offer your support, but people can't make their product more important than your need. And right. I think that, um, yes, Janine, taking that yeah, deep breath, it. it really does so much, uh, yeah. just mentally, spiritually, chemistry, chemically yeah. rather. Girl. Yes, <laughs> so important. Absolutely. Um, and I just think that, you know, um, You know, they say if you go to a surgeon, he's always going to want to cut. And I think that that comes into play so much with our community. Uh, Know what you want. Look at things before you take action. um, and, And reach out to people around you and ask how they've dealt with these things as well before you make that final decision.
2: Right. And again, you know, it really just comes back to the support, whether or not it's, you know, getting it outside or, you know, somebody in your inner circle. I I can't stress enough how strong the village is, and yes. we need to get back to the village because when we were growing up, it was all about the village. And you know, huh. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and you know, naturally with anything, we're evolving. We're evolving inside, like parenting is science raising children uh, it's it's all you know types of styles and and ways to it's we're evolving as a society so naturally
3: on that too you bring up a really good point how we were raised we are in the dawn of a a shifting in technology and communication and relating where babies and children actually don't know how to play because it's not necessarily being modeled. And so to assume that kids today know how to go and entertain themselves for an hour... When right. we were told, you know what, come in when the street lights changed and, you know, come on. Um, it's so hard when everything is, do you have enough likes on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat? And people don't necessarily have the merits of uh, their humor, their, their personality coming out uh, because nobody sees what our kids look like today um, because everything is filtered. I mean, and, and even when we're hanging out, you know, as adults, you know, um, it's a thing to say if something's filtered or unfiltered just on your your, your pictures. So what do we promote ourselves as right. and how do we help our children know that? that it is okay you know it is okay to be exactly who you are unfiltered and that's going to be a movement change schools guidance counselors um you know uh, colleges people are going to have to start teaching this kind of self-worth again because this this generation doesn't even know they're missing it
2: yeah no it's no they don't they they really don't it's so true janine i they <laughs> I, I, I don't know, I, I guess it just depends on you know their their parenting or or what it is, but yeah, we are so hyper focused on technology, and you know I'm guilty of it, um and I only use but it for business
3: right? things, yeah. Use,
2: yeah, yeah, absolutely, um, but it's just i i'm I'm actually excited to be part of that movement because I will do whatever it takes to (laughs) awaken our society and and help us be more.
3: And there are action steps, you know, get, get, get kids to go out to a playground for the the six-year-old's birthday party, right? Um, you know, instead of just going somewhere with, you know, good Wi-Fi, go somewhere with a good water slide, you know? Um, I am working with an incredible bunch of uh, parents right now looking at and negotiating, you know, the possibilities of creating retreats in the Hudson Valley and uh, maybe even, you know, around the country um, where we we can help families know that they can relate to their children without the technology being something that they have to compete with. And I know you've done a very similar thing um, in a much more exotic, I think locale though, <laughs> but I think that those things, you know what? Um, it's gotta be in, in, in action. And, you know, thank God the plan is holding out for us. It's easy enough to, to get barefoot in a, in a park, you know?
2: No, I agree. I agree.
3: And just said something here now too. This generation is being brought up on technology. A two-year-old cab uh, uh, can work a phone better than the adults. It's true, that's who I ask for all my advice. (laughs) <laughs> um, you know, I put a time on it during the school week, unless it's an app or math or reading, and that's exactly a, a so great, Janine. We actually I do have some kids, and we use technology sometimes for reinforcers here at Atlas as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but and for our non-verbal population and semi-verbal population, you can't take away the iPad totally because their voice, right? right? Yeah. And so, what do you do? Thank goodness, there's there's a. Um, um, a lock that you could yeah. put on. So the only thing that comes up is one app and everything else is on freeze unless you put the password in. And right. that's where you guys get as parents get to, you don't have to take everything away, but right. you make sure that what you're offering is within the parameters of what's reasonable. And yeah. Amanda you asked me before on one other thing about, um, a tip for being successful, right? And I think that, um, being being able to um, be consistent, right? Making sure that what is being um, presented, or what right. discipline you say you're going to do, or never mind just the discipline side, because we're also right. yes people. We are yes people. It's not just no, right? What we're <laughs> talking about is um, follow through, so kids can trust us. And so if you yeah. say, you know what? Um, if, if, if you get all your, your grades this, this semester, um, I'm, I'm going to take a half day off work and we're going to go somewhere and play hockey, you know, right. and you have to follow through, you know, yeah. and if you can't, there still needs to be some way to help understand why and what happened, but right. be sensitive. Don't just go for the biggest, shiniest thing. Cause that's right. sometimes going to be the hardest to deliver on. So right. make sure you're finding reasonable measures and things that you can offer. But I think guys, you would be really surprised to know that your celebrating your kid, your praise, your attention is usually the best reinforcer that they really want more than anything else. It's true. It's so true. They they like <sighs>
2: They are so happy, especially with the younger population. I see. It. I even see it with my ten-year-olds, my fourteen-year-olds. I mean, it doesn't matter what age. Kids just want the acknowledgement and the reinforcement from their parents. And it can be the simplest thing that you re- that you reinforce, or as far, you know, what they earn. It's literally, like a trip out to like the park. It could be anything. It could be a very inexpensive activity. It doesn't. Or it could literally just pair that with the technology.
3: You know, get your ninja ninja fruit on, people. (laughs) Make it back and forth. I mean, this is what's so great about these other models, right? right? You've got your ABA, which is your analyzing of behavior, your understanding of what's creating certain patterns you've got your floor time which is asking for that beautiful table tennis of return of uh effort eye contact communication and then the beauty of something like sunrise where you're saying i'm going to connect with you i'm going to join you i'm going to love you unconditionally exactly where you are uh teach where you can rotate and 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 come across different centers that allow a little bit just an an association and a change of location because sometimes just that little physical break, right. Get into a new place for learning. And, and that all can be done at home with grandparents. You know, I think you guys will need to have a harder time with your behavior plans probably for your, 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 your aunts and uncles or, or or grandma and grandpa babysitting to ask them to respect it. But if you have a child with a diagnosis, especially, mm-hmm. I think if you go to those caregivers who are trying to support you and say, this really is to help the, our kid in the long run, uh, love you, Janine, thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you know, uh, that these are these are things that we really can can balance out and that people, even if they may not respect you all the time, will respect that you as a parent are doing something for your child. And if you have a recommendation from your parenting strategist from parenting (laughs) with Punch, then you've got it in writing and people are very quick to follow what's in writing. Yeah, very
2: very true. (laughs) This was such a fun convo. And I love that you and I just share the exact like same brain when it comes to working with kids You don't
3: find a good model. I just, I, I stand in, 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 in your light, darling.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you, my love.
3: (laughs) That's awesome. And I, I, you know, I'd love to do, you know, more of this. Thank you, Janine. Thank you everybody for joining in with us. I think it's a great forum and just remember we're here for you. And if you have any questions or want to follow up, uh, check us out. Um, Atlas is on uh, Facebook. <laughs> that is and true, Janine. <laughs> Amanda, Amanda, I guess we do.
2: <laughs> not always, but these two do. <laughs> That's right.
3: And um, I think uh, if if people want to find us on Facebook, you know, go ahead and check it out. Oh, yeah. thank you. I see that. Yeah. Um, and here in New York, if people want to know more about Amanda, go check her out on on Facebook and um maybe we can rendezvous like this again some more it's it's wonderful to talk shop. it's the thing that i love the most in this world of, and uh, i i am just honored to be here with you today
2: me too thank you same here and i i really look forward to uh collaborating and, and doing more amazing things and putting it out into the world because it's it's important it's important and for our
3: the family village as you said
2: Absolutely. All right. well, thank you so much, Amanda, for being on Parenting with a Punch Show today. And again, thank you to my guests that tuned in. We greatly appreciate your presence and for anyone catching the replay, we hope you enjoy as well. Have a good day.
3: Amanda. Have a great one, everybody.
2: Well, thank you for tuning in to Parenting with a Punch show. It was such a pleasure having you all here today and those that catch the replay. Uh kept seeing watching the live, you can check out uh Amanda's link, atlas for autism.org to learn more, especially if you're in the New York area. As always, keep asking for more parenting with a bunch, punch.com to learn all the ways that you can work with me. And make sure to check out the uh podcast because that's where you will catch my awesome outro and intro if you didn't catch the uh the live today. All right, y'all. Have a great Monday. Bye.
0: Yo,
1: this ain't parents out to lunch. No, this is parented with the punch. Oh, this ain't parents out to lunch. No, this is parented with the punch. Class is in session, please be seated. Behaviors that get attention get repeated. Avoid the power struggle, cause it will get you heated. Listen to Amanda, cause she knows how to teach it. Yo, this ain't parents out to lunch. No. Parenting with the punch. Oh, this ain't parents out to lunch. No, this is parenting with the punch. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Oh.